All right. Well, hey, uh, it's good to see you. Good to be with you. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open that up. We're going to turn our attention to God's Word. Um, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dave Jacobson, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited because we are wrapping up a six-week series that we have done um, all out of the 23rd Psalm. And as we come to kind of our last week here and uh, the conclusion of it, um, uh, you noticed as you came in this morning that there was on your seat a, um, uh, a card uh, that was uh, there. This is um, a gift for you to take home uh, with you. You might kind of look at that and like, okay, that's cool. But here's, um, let me tell you about this thing. This is, um, one of the things I love about the church body is that there is a variety of gifts and skills and um, uh, passions and, and different things that our, our church body is, uh, is made up of. And um, there's a gentleman in our church, Bob Beasel, who is just a very talented artist, and he does all sorts of great um, uh, works of art. And uh, I didn't give him very much time, but I asked him a, a, about a week ago, I said, hey, would you, I know you probably want months, but would you um, consider uh, just kind of doing some sort of artistic rendition of something out of the 23rd Psalm, something that we can kind of remember and, and take with us. And, and, uh, and so um, uh, if you know Bob, I mean, he's, he, he didn't even want me to say his name. He's, he's super humble about this, but he, he took an old painting, I think from the early 1900s or something, and then kind of did his own spin and own twist on that and kind of put this together. And so we scanned it in. So this is original. This is, this is like City on a Hill artwork right here um, made by uh, one of our own. And um, anyways, we... W- w- the hope or thought was with this is, is this, the 23rd Psalm is on the back. And um, our hope has been through this series that we would see and understand and wrestle with some of these, um, the truths and characteristics of God in, in a fresh way. And so I would just encourage you to take this and put this somewhere where you can see it. And maybe it would jog your memory, remind you of some of the things that we've walked through um, in this. It's a beautiful little um, uh, uh, picture that, um, that he had and, and kind of expressing, obviously, that, that shepherding um, role. But um, I would just encourage you to, uh, to put this somewhere, uh, maybe stick it in your Bible, use it as a bookmark or something, but um, just as a way to remember all that God has taught us in our uh, series um, together. Um, as you uh, open up to, uh, to the 23rd Psalm, um, I want to kind of begin our time uh, with this. I'm guessing um, you maybe have experienced this similar, especially uh, if you are of the driving age, have a license, have a car. Um, uh, you've probably experienced this. Let me, let me just see. Um, you know, when you ever get a new car, it doesn't have to be like a new car. I'm talking like new to you sort of car, okay? Um, so uh, we, we don't have any new cars in our house, but we've had many cars. Some are nicer than others. We've, you know, some I didn't think were gonna make it. Um, my, my goal with the car is I just need it to get me from one place to another uh, without the fear of it breaking down, okay? That's like, that's the bar that I've set. Some of you have a little higher bar in your cars, but whenever, whenever you get a new one, um, whenever there's a new one that enters your home or you start driving, uh, have you experienced this where you start driving that on the road and all of a sudden you're like, man, where did all these other cars come from, right? Of the exact same make and model. You start seeing them everywhere. Have you experienced that, right? Like all of a sudden you're like, oh man, like you, I, I, I had a, uh, we had a Mazda Tribute um, for a while and I had never noticed Mazda Tributes on the road. I hadn't like aspired or kind of been dreaming about a Mazda Tribute forever. We just, it happened to be the car. There's a good price. And so I got it. And all of a sudden I start seeing everywhere I go, Mazda Tributes. I'm like, man, these things are everywhere. Did everybody decide to get them at the same time? And now there's all these Mazda tributes all over the place. The reality is no, right? That's not, it's not that there's more on the road than there were before. The difference is in the way that you're looking for them. Uh, that act of you getting that car and then beginning to drive it, now all of a sudden, 
you're noticing them more. Your attention has been fixed upon that. You, um, you, 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 you kind of zeroed in on uh, that particular uh, car, that particular make, that particular model, especially when you see the same color. You're like, that's the same car, right? And then you start seeing those. It's so crazy how it works. Here's what I hope we can do this morning in our time um, as we, as we um, conclude this psalm together. Uh, there are two themes. It's actually the title of the sermon this morning. There are two themes that we're going to really see prominently um, throughout our time this morning, and that is this. It's goodness and mercy. We're talking about the goodness and mercy of God this morning. My hope is, let me just kind of tell you up front what we're, what we're trying to do this morning. My hope is, is that our attention would be fixed in and would be set upon the goodness and mercy of God so that as we go about our days this week and the weeks to come, that we would be more observant, that we would pay more attention to the places that we see God's goodness and mercy around us. See, I know uh, for a fact that there's not gonna be more of God's goodness and mercy that's coming our way, but I think if we're looking for it, we're going to begin to see more and more of it if, if our eyes are uh, tuned for that. So that's kind of where we're going. Let me read the passage as we have been doing each time um, this week and, uh, and, and just kind of set our time there. It says uh, this, uh, Psalm 23, beginning of verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord together. Uh, here's the, um, the big truth that I want us to walk away from this morning. It's this, is that when I am um, looking, or when I am willing, rather, I can see God's goodness and mercy following me. When I'm willing, I can see God's goodness and mercy following me. It's a promise that's, that's illustrated here for us in the passage. And so we're going to um, kind of unpack that and look at the different places that we see God's goodness and mercy all around us. Before we go any further, though, let me just ask that God would um, teach us, as we do each week, uh, from his word. Would you pray with me? God, once again, uh, we bow our heads before you. God, we quiet our hearts here in this place, and, and we want to receive from you, Lord, what you have for us from your word. Uh, there have been truths that have been so helpful these past um, few weeks, just looking at the simple expression of your character and your goodness uh, that we see, God, your, um, your leadership over our lives um, in this psalm. And Lord, I, I just pray for our time this morning um, that you would do it again, God, that you would um, help us to see more clearly. Uh, God, receive um, from you what, what you have for us um, Lord, that we would be quick to hear and quick to apply it to our lives. Um, God, I, I pray that you would teach us, that you would um, lead us through your spirit, we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, what I want to do with this and, and how we're going to kind of see it is just kind of look at several places that I think from the life of David that we can see God's goodness and mercy. And here's the first one. We're calling it, uh, I'm going to call it in the hard um, or in the difficult, uh, in the challenging. Um, in the hard, I can see God's goodness and mercy when I am lamenting. All right, so let's look at this verse and, and kind of unpack it here. Um, two things that I think we should see uh, right away. There's, there's a couple words that are used that exude or sort of illustrate David's confidence in this moment. All right, he says, surely 
goodness and mercy shall follow me, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. There's like a, a confidence there. It's not, he's not like wavering or ah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, I hope, or um, you know, maybe. God, he, he's saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then the second line, he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell. Um, this confident expectation, right? He knows what is to come. There's a confidence in what he is saying here in this moment. And, uh, and, and, and the reality is this, is that we can read this and we can be like, man, that's good for David. Like he seems like he's got a few things figured out. But if you uh, look at this Psalm in conjunction with everything else that David produced or everything else out of his life, you understand uh, what a bit of a roller coaster David's emotional life was. But perhaps more than any other author in Scripture, we get to see the, um, the questioning, uh, the doubting, the concern of the heart of David. I mean, he penned a ton of our psalms that we have, and, um, and he wrote from all the different kind of facets and places of life. And so we might come into this place this morning in one of those places. You might be here this morning and you might be feeling great and you're on kind of the top of the world and, and uh, um, what's the expression, kind of cloud nine or you're on the mountain peak or you're wherever, you know, um, you're feeling good or you might come into this place and you're in a place of um, difficulty or despair. We've kind of talked about this over the last couple of weeks that you would describe it like I'm in that valley, that valley of the shadow of death. I'm feeling that right now. And then we come to a verse like this, and you're like, well, how do I, if I don't feel that same confidence, what do I do uh, with that? And what I want to do is I just want to show you that, that um, you know, David himself was in different places at different times um, in the way that he was feeling. If we're going to talk about feelings for a second, um, the way that he was feeling, he didn't always feel this was true. Um, probably from one of the darkest places when he was being pursued by King Saul, like God's anointed one is chasing him down, trying to take his life. Um, he ends up hot in hiding. And um, we're, we're pretty sure that this psalm was written from that time period, that place in life. It's Psalm 13. Let me show you the first two verses. These are the questions that, um, uh, that David uh, was recounting. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? This is the place that David was at and he's expressing this and he's feeling this. And uh, he, he was certainly um, at a low spot here. And have you been there? Like, have you been to the place where you're sort of asking a similar question? When you're like, man, how long, oh Lord, is this trial going to last? How, how long am I going to have to experience this? God, it seems like you're hiding from me. This isn't a very fun game of hide and seek. Like, where are you? Can you come out now, right? Like, I've done counting. I've done the looking. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you to see you now. And I know that some of you feel this even this week uh, from, from one of the um, members of our church. That got a text and it says, how long does a trial last? And I know where that's written from. It's written from a place of like, it feels like this trial should be over by now. It feels like it's been long enough. How much longer is it going to be? And um, uh, my response was, well, hey, I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is there is no maximum time. Like we don't have, there's no guarantee for how long that trial is gonna last. The good news is, is that God has promised to endure with you through the entirety of it all. But the reality is this, is that we walk through these times when we're asking that same question that David is asking. 
In asking it, though, he goes to the right place. He goes to the one who can answer. What David's not doing is sort of, you know, spouting that off on social media or just kind of like running his mouth with his friends and kind of, you know, just kind of venting to, you know, his buddy or something like that. This is a prayer. God himself is the recipient of these questions. And he's asking, he says, hey, how long, O Lord, are you going to allow me to be in this place? And here's what I just want to encourage you with this morning is this. I want to ask you, where do you go when you have those seasons of doubt or difficulty? Are you willing to be honest and take them to the Lord? So one of the things I love about scripture is that it is, we've said this many times before, it is honest. It doesn't try to explain away the difficult things. It doesn't try to minimize them. It doesn't take away uh, the, the, the pain, the, 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 the hurt that we feel but rather it gives us good and godly examples of what to do in that place. And here's what we are told to do. We're told to go to the Lord with them. One of the things that we'll say occasionally from time to time around here is it's okay to not be okay. Like you don't have to always have it all together, but in that place of doubt, in that place of, uh, of, of discouragement, where do you go with it? Can I just tell you where you should go? Take it to the Lord. Do you know that he is big enough to handle your questions and your confusion? He is able to hold your despair. He is not thrown off by it. He is not caught off guard. He is not swayed by it. You can come and you can bring him the difficulties and the confusion that you have. He welcomes it. He invites it in. And he asks you to come to him. And so the question is, what do you do in your times of doubt? David turned to the Lord, and I love in that psalm, we actually get to see the answer and the, and the uh, response that he gets from the Lord. Look at verse five and six. This is the place that his heart gets to. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. But the reality is this, between the time when that question mark and then that word but, there's a whole lot of things that happen in David's heart, right? And the way that it happened was him going to him and getting there. And so back to kind of the, the main point that I think we need to recognize and see this morning is this, is that God is faithful. We can see his goodness and his mercy even when things are hard. That is a theme that is so prevalent here. And so, yes, David is expressing it with confidence here in this moment, but that's not always the way that we feel. And so in the hard, we can see it when we are lamenting. I would just encourage you, if you are feeling doubt, if you're feeling weary, to just be honest with the Lord with that. Turn to others in that place and allow God to speak into and to point you, to direct your heart to the place that it needs to get to. See, that's one of the things that's such a blessing about the church is we have the ability to lean on others and those around us. So you might be here this morning. You might be in a difficult place. You might be what are called in the hard, right? It's, it's, it's difficult. I would encourage you to share with somebody else and say, listen, I just gotta be honest. I'm not doing great right now. And one of the awesome things that when you share that with somebody else is they, from an outside perspective, can speak into your life and can help point you to healing, to hope, to truth, can correct maybe some wrong thinking if we allow it to happen. 
But let's be, um, maybe on the other side of it, if somebody comes to you in that place, let's be ready to receive that. Because if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm, 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 not, I'm just feeling this. I'm not feeling this. So many times what we do is, is we will hear them, but then we will answer with um, what, what we could call like kind of Christian catchphrases or platitudes or sort of like, you know, just sounds good in the moment, you know? Like somebody pours out their heart, they're saying, hey, I'm feeling this, and we're just like, well, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. We've corrected that one here before many, many times. God for sure will give you more than you can handle. He does it all the time. He won't give you more than he can handle, okay? That, that's what scripture would say. He's not gonna give you more than you can, or he will give you more than you can handle. He won't give you more than he can handle, right? We're like, oh, it'll all work out in the end. That's not even Bible. That's like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's just from Disney or something. I don't know where, where we get some of those things. You know, it's not helpful to serve people with these like just kind of well wishes or sort of warm thoughts. That's not what our faith is, bo- is, 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 is on. So two things that I would encourage you, if you are in this place and somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, I need some help right now. I'm not feeling it. One, I would hear and validate and, and, and understand where they're coming from and say, yeah, you know what? I hear you. Like, that sounds really hard. Because it is. And, and maybe you haven't walked through the same thing, but you can understand the feeling or kind of the difficulty, the despair that they're, they're walking through. And then the second would be to help make them the turn. And let's do this. Let's not just leave it there. Hey, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Can we speak truth into each other's life? And can we point them to the deep truth and to the reality that, hey, even if it doesn't feel like it, I promise you, God is working through this. He does not waste pain in our life. How do I know that? Well, we see it throughout the scripture, but I mean, one of the places is Jesus told a parable of four different soils. And these soils were hard, and some of them were thorny, and some of them you know, were just not susceptible or not, not um, uh, helpful for seed to grow, but yet one was. And what was that soil? It was a soil that was fertile and it was ready and it was, you know, there was growth and fruit that came from that. Well, how does God prepare the soil of our hearts? We're gonna see this in James. He uses pain, he uses difficulty. It's one of his primary tools to like prepare our hearts. And so many of you can say, you know what? I walked through this trial, I wouldn't wanna do it again, but on the other side of it, God used it to work some things in my life. And so when we come to this, I, see, I think we do a disservice to the text if we walk up to this and we're like, man, David must have had it all together, right? He always felt this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. For, you know, easy for him to say. He didn't have my situation. David had a train wreck of a life at times. There were some major things that, that mistakes he made, things that he, but yet he had the confidence to say that God's goodness and mercy is still at work in my life. And so in our doubt, can we, Hear that. And then when others come to us, can we take them to the truth? And then would we be willing to receive it? Sometimes it's just as, you know, one of the things I often, and you've, I, I say this, and you're gonna hear me say, you, you, you've heard me say it before, or you're gonna hear me say it sometime. You're like, here, I know you already know this, but sometimes it's really helpful to hear it repeated again. And I'll just recite truth that you already know and you already hear. We need that. Can we help each other with that? And so in the heart, we can see God's mercy and goodness when we are lamenting, even in the heart. Number two, we can see it in the easy. If we're looking, we can see it in the easy. I can see God's goodness and mercy when I am looking. And that is both the hardest and the most um, uh, easy a place to see God's goodness and mercy in our life. Um, I say it's the um, easiest because there are so many things that we can point to, right? It's like, well, what do I start, right? What's God done in your life lately? 
And if you're in a good spot with him and you, you see all of his blessings around, you're like, well, where do I start? I got, I got a whole list of you. But it's also one of the most difficult because sometimes we kind of get comfortable with that and we forget to look at it. Kind of back to the car thing and, and kind of you get the new car and you start looking. Well, now you start seeing it and you start noticing it. And so what is David talking about here? Well, this, um, let's unpack the words here and understand what this goodness and mercy is. He said, surely goodness and mercy. Um, I think the, the way that he's using goodness here, this is God's unmerited favor in our life. This is, this is the conclusion. This is the blessing that comes from God's leadership over our life, his, uh, the Lord's um, shepherding care, the walking in those paths of righteousness. It, 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 the, the, the outflow of that is God's favor and in, 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 in working in our life. It is grace. Um, my daughter yesterday was asking me, Dad, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Um, grace, I like to describe as um, it's getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Right? It's kind of two sides of the same coin. So goodness, this is, this is God's like, unmerited favor in our life. He's showing his kindness toward us. Mercy, he is in his long-suffering, in his patient love toward us. He is holding back the, that which we ultimately do deserve. There is goodness at, and mercy at play in our life. David knew it well. He's like, I've made some mistakes, yet God's mercy is still present for me. And then this word shall follow. Uh, follow is um, what I would call um, like a weak sauce word um, for, uh, for scripture. That's like, a, it could be translated a little bit better than that. Like it, yes, it kind of gets at it, but, but the idea, that same word is used in, uh, in, in, in describing a pursuit. And so if you've ever played like a really intense game of tag, maybe remember back to when you were little, um, right? And there's like somebody coming after you and they're chasing you down and trying to get you and they're like right there. Um, that is kind of the idea or the picture that's contained in this. So, so the idea is when I wake up in the morning, goodness and mercy are like right there. And as I go through my day, they are following me and they are like hot on my tail. They are, they are ready. And not only are they just like following me, but they are catching. They're, 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 they're there and they're present and they're working. That's kind of the picture that he's saying here. He's saying God's goodness, God's mercy, it is in pursuit, not just like from day to day, but all the days of my life. This is showing the lavishing love and kindness, the goodness of God's pouring out. In our life. And we don't often think about it in this way, but that is the reality. For those who are in Christ, God's goodness and mercy is pursuing you on a daily, hourly, minute by minute basis. God is present and working. The question is are we looking? Right? Are we looking? I would encourage you, I, I know some of you love to journal, many of you probably don't. Um, I kind of go in and out, if I'm honest. I wish I, I, that's one of the disciplines that I wish I was better at. I wish I was just like kind of took note of, of what I'm learning and, and what God's doing and I've gone through seasons where I do really well and then it's like kind of doesn't happen. Can I encourage us with this? Whether you're a journaler or not, this week could you maybe um, take some time and write down, take inventory of all the ways that you see God's goodness and mercy at work in your life. Maybe reflect, think back over the last couple of weeks, watch for it this week. I promise you this, as you start to do it, you're gonna to start to see all these little ways that God's goodness and his mercy is at work in your life. This week, I experienced it a little bit. I, um, you know, Bree and I were praying for our kids that they would have a good start of school. They all started, we have um, five in school this year. Um, uh, Levi, little Levi, he's uh, going to 4K. So it's like new season for us. Um, and uh, he had his little, little backpack, right? Little cute backpack, little cute haircut, 
little cute shoes, you know, kind of did the whole thing. Like he walks in there like a rock star. He's got everything all kind of figured out, you know. And so we're just praying for him, praying for the girls, praying that, that God, um, you know, works, like watches over them, that they um, are able to, uh, you know, be a blessing to others, that, 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 that God, you know, protects them, that, that, you know, all these things. And then they report back. And so we get to hear these little answers to prayer, like, hey, you know, this happened or that happened. We're like, you know, that's God's goodness and mercy at work there. We can see that. Um, I saw it uh, just in, in some time that I spent with the Lord this week. I was, um, uh, time to time, I, I, um, I know I seem like I'm a pretty positive guy, and I think I am, but, but I do get discouraged. And, um, and there's just some things I've been praying for and wanting to see happen, and, and um, just felt like it really wasn't um, happening. And, and um, I was just kind of discouraged. And, and then in my time with the Lord this week, there was just this sense of like, uh, I don't know how to describe it other than God just saying, hey, I, I'm still working on that. Like, I, ha- I haven't forgotten that yet. And it was just this, this moment of just hearing from the Lord that, that it wasn't fixed, it wasn't answered yet, but, but God reminded me that he's still present in that. Um, there was an unexpected gift that showed up, um, kind of a belated, uh, belated uh, anniversary gift that, that came um, to us this, this week. Um, my wife and I had an anniversary at the end of July, and here we are at the beginning of September, and this showed up in the mail, and it was like, oh, wow, wasn't expecting that, and so we got a little, little I mean, it's like all these little things seeing in the present, and that is God's goodness and mercy in our life, in my life. And so I just encourage you this week, take note, take stock, take inventory of what God is doing in the easy, in the good, in the times of, 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 of health and, and fruit to, to see um, and give credit, right? Ultimately, that's what you're doing. You're not recognizing it as, oh man, that's so nice that that happened. You're like, oh wow, that's so amazing that God would do that or allow that to happen in this way. You see God's hand in the things that he is doing. Not just is it um, in the hard and the easy, but um, we see it in the future, David turns his attention to uh, what is yet to come. And uh, if we look to the future, we can see this. I can see God's goodness and mercy when I'm longing, right? Are you longing? Are you longing for future blessing? David sure was. He said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was a confident expectation that there was the experience of that now, but that it was going to be for eternity. So on the other side of this life, there was going to be a, 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 a continual goodness and mercy expressed uh, by a dwelling with the Lord in his house. Now, let's be super clear about what is so great about the house of the Lord. You know what's so good about the house of the Lord? It's the same thing that's so good about the table that he prepares for us. It is his presence. The Lord dwells in his house. And so when we dwell in the house of the Lord, we are dwelling with him. And the promise of scripture is that for those who are in Christ, right? That you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You've been invited in. We have a home with our Lord for eternity. And that is a blessing that is yet to come. And David, this informed the way that David thought about, about the Lord. Um, Psalm 27, four expresses some of his excitement over this. It says this, one thing, <laughs> one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David got it. He knew he just wanted to be with the Lord. If I can just be with him. And that is um, the ultimate, like, coming home is when we are with the Lord. Uh, you know, we're wrapping up summer. Many of you have traveled. Some of you are even traveling this, uh, this, um, uh, this, this, or we're traveling this weekend. And, um, and, and, and trips are fun, right? Like, we can, 
We, we enjoy going places, and it's a little novel to get on a plane or to get into a hotel room or to visit a friend or, you know, family member, new, new bed, you know, new place to eat or new, you know, new kind of sights or whatever. Um, that only lasts for so long. I think all of us have a threshold at some point where we're like, yeah, I'm kind of over this, right? Um, and and, and, and it's, it's, it's only kind of novel for us. So some of us, it's like we love to travel, and so we can go for quite a while. But at some point, even you, even you who love to travel will get to that spot where you're like, you know what, I kind of miss my bed. You know, I miss, it. I miss opening up like my fridge. I, I miss my chair, right? I miss my shower. I miss my whatever it is, right? It's like, why? And then when you get home, it feels so good. You walk in the door and you're like, I'm home, right? Or you climb in bed after that long trip and you're like, finally, a pillow that I can like sleep on. Like, I, why do they even call those things pillows? That's like, you know, you're like, like on Amazon buying pillows for your brother-in-law or something. And you're like, we got to get you some new pillows. Like this is not, this is not working here. And so you're so excited, right? Cause you're home and it's just like, it feels, it feels so good. Cause that's what, that's what you know. That's what you're comfortable. Like, I'm just telling you, there are so many times that it feels like we feel out of place here and now in this life. And we're like, this just doesn't feel right. Like I just, I just want to go home. Right. I want to, I want to be. And, and that is ultimately, it's not about being in a bed. It's not sitting in your couch or opening your fridge. It's about like being with the Lord. I just want to be with the Lord. I long for that. And it's going to feel so good when we get to experience God in a way that we never have before, we're gonna to sit to see his glory in a way that we never have. But here's the promise. This isn't just for the future. So listen, church, we long for, we look for it, long for that day. In the longing, we get to see God's goodness and mercy that there is a time that we are going to get home, but it's also in the present. It's also in the present. I can see God's goodness and mercy when I am living. Praise God for this truth. How discouraging would it be if it's like, well, someday, someday I'll get to experience that. That's not what David is saying. He says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can't tell you how many of people, like if you've been one of them, you're in good company. Many of you have come up and said, I thought this was just like a funeral psalm. Like when we started it, we're like, I, I thought, like, what is, what is it? This is like what you do, like when you're dead, like you get to like, this gets like kind of read over you or something. And then you start reading this, you're like, wait a second, this is like, you want this, this side of eternity, this is where this stuff is good for, right? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 27, four, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. We are experiencing some of that here and now. So we're not home yet, but some of the blessings, some of the comforts, some of the goodness and mercy in dwelling with the Lord, we get to experience here and now. And I, I believe this, I, I, think, I think scripture would point us toward this, that the more we understand this, the more that we are able to be navigated by the good shepherd, right? Like we want, we, all these things that we've looked at, the Lord leading us, bringing us to this place that we shall not want, giving, restoring our soul, leading us by, by green pastures, leading us on paths of righteousness, helping us walk through the trials, the valleys, not fearing evil, knowing and trusting. I think if we understand God's goodness and mercy, that it will help us to truly navigate that. And one of the ways that I, I think to kind of illustrate this, because I think it's easy to sort of like, well, that, that worked for David. What, what about me? Or what about my situation? And... Um, uh, as I was preparing this week, um, 
God kind of brought to mind, there's this video that was done a couple years ago by one of the networks that we um, partner with, the North American Mission Board, and it tells this incredible story of God's work um, in the life of Chris Carrier. And um, I'm guessing you probably haven't heard this story before, but it's just an incredible way that you see the goodness and mercy fully fleshed out, fully at play in the life of a believer. And so what I want to do is just, we're going to take a few minutes, and I just want to share this story um, through video. So if you just direct your eyes uh, to the screen. Growing up in this neighborhood was just a wonderful, a wonderful childhood. It really was until <laughs> that day. It was a Friday, the last school day of the week. And when I got off the bus, here was this gentleman coming at me from the opposite direction. And he stopped me and he said, hey, I'm throwing a party for your dad. And by any chance, would you be willing to help me with some of the decorations? And of course, Back in the 70s, a different time than, than right now, I thought, sure. He uh, had an RV, a little motorhome. I put my things down in the seat behind the door, hopped in the passenger seat, and figured we must be going downtown. But once we had left town, once we were out in the middle of nowhere, he pulled over on the side of the road and told me, he said, I think I've missed a turn. The next thing I knew, he pulled me away from the window into the middle of the, the RV, uh, forced me basically onto my back, looking up at him, and began to stab me in the chest. He literally stood back up and, and said, son, I'm gonna take you somewhere, and I'm gonna drop you off. We turn left onto this uh, old Caliche country road, what we affectionately call Alligator Alley. He stopped the RV and he pointed at a tree, said, why don't you sit down over there by the tree? And while I was looking down, he must have pulled the gun that I had seen the outlines of in his pocket. And he aimed it right at my left temple. That was the last thing I remember. Do you know your full name? Mm -hmm. What is your full name? Christopher Carrier. And Chris, do you know what day this is? This is Friday, isn't it? Today is Thursday, oh. December the 26th. When I woke up six days later, I remember my dad flat out told me, he said, Chris, you were kidnapped. You were shot through the head, and you were left to die in the Florida Everglades, and you were missing for six days. The rhythm at home was drastically different. You know, Dad had a gun in his closet. Police were there, the radios were there, but there were those moments in which I would wake up in sheer terror thinking that I was in my bedroom. You know, could just picture that man walking through the house and cornering me in that room and coming to finish what he had started. It was a very tough moment to see this new normal that I was gonna have to contend with. 
I don't know exactly what the trigger was, but it, that transformation began to happen in me in which I realized if God in his providence can allow me to go through all of those things that I went through and protected me from being kidnapped, stabbed, shot, left to die in the Everglades, well, he's, he's earned my trust. This is where you're gonna find that security that you're looking for. I couldn't find it in a community of friends or institutions that said, and this will be okay, don't worry. I only found it through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's amazing how you see what God has ordained sometimes years or even decades after. You know, here, my wife and I, I, I had gone on and, and finished school and we were in the process of, of moving back to Texas when I received a phone call. It's a major sharer from the Coral Gables Police, and he told me, he said, one of our old chiefs had come across David McAllister in a nursing home in North Miami. Would you like to go meet with him face to face? Because if you would, I can make those arrangements. This is the definition of awkward. What do you say to a guy who the last time you saw him put a bullet through your head? I sat down and I told him, I said, Mr. McAllister, I'd like you to know what's really been kind of the source of my strength through all of this. And I asked him, just point, point blank, would, would you allow me to share that hope and, and love with you? And he said, sure. We prayed together and we walked through that. And praise the Lord, I think that week of visiting him two or three times left an impression on him. And so I shared the gospel as best I could. It was just a beautiful, surreal moment of, of just being able to say, Mr. McAllister, I want you to know there's nothing between you and me except our newfound friendship. I want you to know I forgive you and I want our, our friendship to go beyond this place. And Mr. McAllister, blind as he was and, and weak, rolled over in that bed, grabbed my hand as if he could have seen it. And with, through the tears and the difficulty, said, I'm sorry. And like the thief on the cross next to Jesus that only had one opportunity and he took advantage of it and prayed to receive Christ so did David McAllister. I didn't have any forewarning of what was going to happen, but I can say without any doubt what God did in my life has given me hope that there is nothing in this world that His grace is not bigger than. I mean, just an incredible story. And I know as we watch that, it brings up so many emotions. Um, you know, you see uh, evil at work and the, um, that justice side is like, well, that's not fair. Who, do, who would do that? Like, you know. And then you see the forgiveness that was uh, produced in uh, Chris's life and his heart and, and the um, understanding um, God's love for him and his protection over him and his uh, leading and guiding, uh, his direction in his life. 
And then having the opportunity, I think it was 22 years later, um, to offer forgiveness to the man who did that. And then we see that and we're like, well, that's, there's nothing about that that seems right. Like, how, how, how is that okay? And that's when we see that the gospel at play and what really it looks like when there's real forgiveness, real mercy, real grace, real goodness and mercy. I mean, David McAllister did nothing to deserve or to earn God's goodness and mercy. And yet look at even him, even him, it was pursuing after him all the days of his life. And in his final days, he understood God's grace and mercy and he received the life that God was holding out to him. I love that Chris found that much, much earlier. And you can see that what the depth of understanding that and the trajectory that it set over his life. I mean, these aren't just kind of platitudes or again, Christian crutch phrases or things that kind of get us through the day. You look at a story like that and you're like, only because of Christ, only in Christ is that possible. Only in Christ is something like that going to happen. And you see the way that God's goodness and mercy guides us all the days of our life, and it is at present and at play. And the primary expression is in the cross of Jesus Christ. That is, if you have any doubt of God's goodness and mercy over you, you have but to look to the cross and understand that Jesus went to the cross for you. He was willing to die so that you wouldn't have to, that you could experience life eternal, that you could experience forgiveness and his grace and his mercy because of what he purchased on that cross. And so uh, with that, I would um, encourage us and direct us, remind us that God's goodness and mercy is at work, it is at play, and uh, it is there pursuing us all the days of our life. And um, (laughs) we have to long and look forward to that day when we will know it fully, as we uh, get to dwell with the Lord in his house uh, forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. God, for your unmerited favor. God, for your grace that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we uh, desire, we long to understand and to know that more fully. And so, uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would... Um, Just remind us, God, of all the ways that you are working, that we would see it, we would respond to it. God, that we would respond to you. God, we thank you for the cross, the place of ultimate sacrifice, God, the the place of, of ultimate reconciliation. Lord, you did that for us who are unworthy, undeserving. God, sinners in need of a savior, you came that we might know you and that we might know your life. And so God, we give you praise for that today. Jesus, we worship you as our risen savior. Jesus, we worship you as our conquering king. Jesus, we worship you as our redeemer, the source of our hope, God, the giver of grace. Thank you, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I pray that we would rely on that, God, that we would look to that. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.